Welcome to another exciting and elucidating episode of the OmniTalk Ask an Expert series. I'm one of your co-hosts for today's webinar, Chris Walton. And I'm Ann Mazinga. And we are the founders of OmniTalk, the fast-growing retail media organization that is all about the companies, the technologies, and the people that are coming together to shape the future of retail. And Yes, Chris. I am so jazzed up for today's conversation because we brought back one of the very first podcast guests we ever had. In fact, and it was so long ago. I don't even remember what year it was. It was like 2018, 2019. Oh my gosh, that was like year one. I know it's it's crazy. Yeah. So, it, but he have, he and his company have been doing great great work ever since, and he is back with us today to share his thoughts and expertise on pricing and pricing transparency across retailers and CPG. CPGs, I should say, as some would also use that term uh, versus what I tried to say. So please join us in giving a big, warm LinkedIn welcome to Ben Reich, the CEO of Data Assembly. Ben, welcome back to OmniTalk. Thanks so much for having me, Chris and Anne. Excited to be here again. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Also, I feel like we need to do, after Chris mentioned that, I feel like we need to do a side-by-side pan um, not just of how far the technology has come since we spoke to you several years ago, but also just like Ben looks the exact same. Chris yes. and I, on the other hand, I feel like have a, we, there's gotta be like some side-by-side blast yes. from the past. Like yes. where are they now? And Chris and I look yes. about a thousand times older. And yes. ben I've put just, on a few LBs and I've put on a few LBs. Ben just that's stays for sure. the same, but yeah. that's not what we're here to talk about today. Uh, before we get started, just a reminder to everybody joining us live on LinkedIn right now, please place your questions for Ben and the data assembly team in the chat session window to your right. And they'll answer throughout our conversation today. Um, ben, We've grown the audience a lot since we first interviewed you. So if you don't mind, kind of take us through a little bit of background on you and what Data Assembly does, please. Yeah, happy to uh, to add some color here. So Ben Reich, founder, CEO of Data Assembly. Um, and what we do at Data Assembly is provide pricing, promotion, and assortment, transparency, and insights for retailers and CPGs especially in the domain of grocery. You know, we've really we've really kind of caught on this um, idea of hyper-local, real-time price promotion and assortment transparency, whereby retailers, grocers, CPGs need to have this level of granularity and transparency at the item level, at the store level, um, in order to stay competitive in today's market. And, uh, you know, the, the, the trends of inflation and price increases and volatility are uh, are really casting a spotlight on that on that problem that I'm sure a lot of the audience listening today is is facing. Ben, how did you get into this? I'm a software Great engineer by, by background. I'm a, <laughs> okay. a, a big data uh, enthusiast. I worked at a retail analytics firm called Applied Predictive Technologies that later became part of MasterCard. Um, that was where I started to uh, to sort of see under the covers of of the crazy and exciting world of retail and grocery and CPG and. Um, and see some of the opportunities, you know, the, the world of uh, ever shifting world of uh, grocery kind of intersecting with the world of big data and um, and the needs of of transparency in the market um, yeah. uh, kind of converging at the time when we started the company coming on nine years ago. Amazing. And Ben, we want to get more into the company in a little bit, but and what you guys do. But I think first I want to I want to get right to the point with a really pointed question. Uh because I want to get your read of the market as far as pricing. Like, I feel like every 
pundit out there talks about inflation, but I don't always trust that they really have an understanding. <laughs> I feel like they're just kind of wetting their thumb, putting it in there and making an educated guess. But you you have a really unique vantage point to answer that question. So in your mind specifically, how should retailers and CPGs approach the months ahead or even the year ahead uh, as far as pricing? Yeah, it's a great uh, a great question, Chris. You know, what we see in the market is based on billions of product observations collected every day from hundreds of thousands of store locations across the country, millions of distinct products. So, you know, we're not taking some some basket sample to measure inflationary pressure, or price volatility. We have a comprehensive picture of the market in order to make these assessments. Um, you know, and and what we're seeing now in the market is certainly a cooling of the inflationary pressure. I mean, that's You are that is um, certainly happening. I'd encourage everyone, and maybe we'll even you know showcase it live uh, uh, later on this on this call. But to look at the grocery price index, this is a product that we launched um, that tracks category by category, state by state, region by region, the price increases over time. Um, again, based on these millions, billions of, of product observations collected at high frequency. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, it's no surprise the inflationary pressure has been the absolute, you know, front and center of of every grocer and retailers conversations of the joint business planning happening between CPGs and retailers of the price volatility of the promotional cadences of everything is, is you know, the inflationary pressure has been the, the top story. And we're certainly seeing the sort of tide turning in our data um, and, and, and the inflationary pressure cooling. That's not without its nuances here. Now, again, this is this is a lot of what we see in our data is that, you know, something like the the CPI comes out and it's a single number that that's supposed to right. kind of capture the, the, the whole market. And in reality, these things are changing um, regionally, category by category, item by item, retailer by retailer, depending on strategy, uh, shopper dynamics, consumer behavior, demographics, local economies, uh, the vicissitudes of the pandemic, but, you know, a couple, a year or two ago, at least. Um, so the, the idea that you could say a single number and capture all the nuances is, is certainly, I think, sort of an antiquated viewpoint. Um, but if we're looking holistically, we're certain seeing, certainly seeing um, some cooling. One of the one of the exceptions I'll point to is the last couple weeks, the mm. the big story of eggflation has certainly returned, you know, where we see this massive spike a couple months ago in egg prices certainly kind of came back down to earth. Um, but if you look at the grocery price index, it's uh, there's a clear green line that's shooting up into the right. Really? right now, Again, categories. Wow. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry to announce this, uh, but oh, that's uh, yeah. uh, that's what we're seeing in the data. So Ben, let me press you a little bit there then too, because like, okay, let's take, let's take the mark market level, macro level uh, assumption that the market does start to cool, right? What does that imply for the retailers and CPGs in the year ahead? Like, like, do they need to look at their promotions differently? Do they need to lean in? You mentioned JBPs. Do they need to lean into those more? And, and how should they do that uh, as well? I'm curious. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great question, and I think it's certainly um, top of mind from every for everyone right now as as things are changing under the, under our feet. I do think as kind of attention moves away from pricing pressure, um, and look again, I I, I my, my forecast here is that there's going to continue to be um, some pricing pressure depending on the category, depending on the item, you know, at that mm -hmm. sort of more granular level. And gone are the days where you could have sort of a holistic approach or strategy about something as broad and important as pricing when you're running a whole store or, or, or a category. Um, but I do think a lot of that attention and energy has already started shifting towards promotions. 
Uh, and that means that, you know, that same level of attention and granularity and um, recency that was required to really stay on top of the pricing trends is now shifting towards promotional execution. The idea that, you know, CPGs running promotions need to have a deeper understanding of promotional execution at retail. Retailers need to understand their competitors and really be able to shift on a dime and be responsive um, to the, the 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 dynamics that are happening in the market. Um, you know, the ability to course correct the promotional strategy and not just, you know, copy last year's whole promotional right. cadence and hope that it works out again this year, uh, I think is going to be critical for retailers to stay competitive in a volatile market. Um, and so I do think that promotional execution focus is going to be a big part of um, staying relevant and staying competitive in 2024 and beyond. So Ben, to so you just make sure that the audience understands this. So you're saying that there's there's a need for the CPGs to, especially in this year, to understand that their promotions are actually being executed on the grocery floor as they were designed to be executed. That's what you're saying. Yeah, the, the something as basic as hitting the right promotional, you know, uh, uh, price points. Uh, but also, you know, some other nuances, understanding your promotional um, effectiveness requires understanding what else was on promotion, what's happening mm -hmm. at the store across the street, what's happening at the product next to yours on the shelf, and perhaps more critical than ever, what's happening with private label. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if, if we take a step back here, you know, the, the idea of, um, it, you know, the inflationary pressure cooling um, and, you know, of course, wages not not keeping pace uh, ha has really caused, I think, a, a big uh, retail and CPG reset here, mm -hmm. both at the item level and at the store level, meaning, you know, the consumer here has to reassess what's important to them, how they want to shop, and things are changing faster than ever. I think the kind of relying on um, historical loyalty or trends continuing how they have isn't going to cut it when things have changed so much over the last couple of years new retailers, new store locations, price points changing more than ever, promotional strategies, the shopping behaviors from delivery to, you know, things like Instacart and, and local delivery and pickup in store. The consumer reset is real and it's causing, uh, you know, a sort of a, you just have to build everything from the ground up, whether it's your consumer loyalty to your store, your brand, um, or the understanding of your promotional cadences. And, and again, getting back to that promotional execution is going to be a critical part of that because retailers and CPGs are going to have to be more thoughtful and data-driven than ever in order to attract buyers, for, you know, to, to resetting buyers. Well, and Ben, just taking all of what you just said, I think in my mind, it seems like pricing transparency should be a given here. I mean, you have, cons you have educated consumers, you have, you know, ed more educated retail competitors that are like, you know, sh the data is out there. Why isn't pricing transparency more available? Like why isn't it, isn't it put into practice more? And, and what are the benefits from having better pricing transparency? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the truth is that with the rise of click and collect, pick up in store, local delivery, uh, shoppers can, from the comfort of their phone, look at, you know, do comparison shopping while they're walking the aisles and they're doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. the fact is that for better or for worse, no matter what your strategy is as a retailer or as a CPG, price transparency is here and it's here to stay. Um, and so while there perhaps used to be some cycles you could get out of, um, you know, assuming that the shopper won't look at the store across the street 
or the store across town or understand the promotions, <clears throat> how they're running at different locations. It's all happening now. And so the, the transparency is happening in market. And I think there's real benefits there. You know, they, of course, there's benefits to the to the consumer who, who can expect, um, you know, the, the retailers or CPGs are, you know, have to provide sort of a competitive offering, given that you, the comparison shopping is becoming more beneficial, but perhaps more relevant to this conversation for the retailers and the CPGs. There's a, a big benefit as well. Um, you right. know, the, 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 the retailers being able to understand their competition is, is something that's really new, you know, gone are the days of sending a secret shopper to walk up and down the aisles and collect a handful of items from your competitor across the street the transparency is here from companies like Data Assembly that are providing that comprehensive picture of what every item at every one of your competitors is doing right now, which really means that, um, you know, people have to win on quality, mm -hmm. on providing a great product and a great store experience on the on the intangibles that, you know, retailers that pride themselves on on being great stores are, are, are known for. And on the CPG side there too, understanding, um, you know, not just the things like, Chris, you mentioned the promotional execution of your own products, but mm -hmm. the full assortment of what's happening at the store, which retailers are carrying, which of my sizes, what are they doing with my competition, which new private labels have been introduced this week, how many items are in this, how many items are in the assortment of this category at this store location versus that. These ideas of transparency, not just about pricing, but across the whole dynamic of what's mm -hmm. happening in the store are just the reality now. And um, I think if you pride yourself on your products and the quality and and, and providing a great experience for your consumers, um, that means the best products are going to win. Yeah. And pricing transparency is one angle to it, right? And especially on the consumer side, I think that's the right term. But the reason we called this webinar, what we did was the single source of truth around mm -hmm. pricing, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's something I want to make sure we bring out here in this section too, because that that and that's that's about the discussion between the retailer and the CPG having a single source of truth around item level pricing around what's happening in the categories that everyone can bring to the JDBP and align on and there are no discussions and so talk about that though too Ben because there are a lot of values in that that I don't think we've brought out yet from from both sides of the because I've been there I've done this like both sides of the table sitting down and being like look, there's no debate. We're looking at the same data here. This is what's happening. Absolutely. This idea of a single source of truth is critical um, in today's world. You know, I had a, um, uh, a user of data assemblies data tell me, you know, he used to spend an hour of those joint business plannings. He would spend 50 minutes arguing with the retailer about what was happening in market and 10 minutes planning, you know, and that was, right. that was, that was the way it happened. Now with products like data assembly, um, and this this whole idea of market transparency that's gone, right? Everyone's coming to that meeting understanding what's happening in market. There's no there's no debate about whether or not you know the competitor across the street is carrying this item or how many stores you know are hitting this price point or where this promotion was being executed. It's all it's all out on the table, which it, you know in my eye makes for much tighter relationships between CPGs and retailers. Look, everyone knows that things are more volatile than they've ever been. And the big reset in grocery and CPG and retail is here to stay. And that means that everyone has to be more data-driven and everyone is 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 ready to do so. So if you're the CPG bringing great data and insights and analytics to the table, to the retailer based on data that you can share that they probably also have, that's based in in in, in a single source of truth that everyone is is agreeing to from the from the from the front. It's um 
it just leads to a, a, a better discussion, a deeper relationship and better joint business planning and, and, and tighter execution. Mm-hmm. Everyone's looking to be more efficient. Everyone's looking to be a little bit smarter. And all of that means being data-driven with hyper-local, real-time uh, information about what's happening in market. And having a single source of truth just cuts through all the noise uh, and allows you to, to, to have those tighter relationships that everyone wants. So Ben, okay. So with that, so I want you to put your money where your mouth is here too, because, you know, we've, there's a lot of pricing companies in the market, you know, and they all claim to do to some degree what you're talking about. But, you know, we, we have thought that data assembly is unique. So that's why we had you on the show back in 2018, 2019. So I'm curious, like, what is your secret sauce that enables you to create this single source of truth across retailers and CPGs? The rise of click and collect, pick up in store and local delivery means that so much of this critical hyper-local pricing, promotion and assortment and availability information is just available online. Like right. we said, any shopper themselves is doing that comparison shopping uh, when they're walking through the store. The fact is that collecting this data from the web at scale is a major technical challenge. And <laughs> that's pretty really, hard. <laughs> that's really what we've cracked. So our data collection system is now crawling and scraping billions of product observations a day from hundreds of thousands of store locations across the web. Nobody else has achieved this scale or scope of data collection um, and uptime. And week after week, now year on year, with years of historical data, we see that this localized comprehensive tracking is critical uh, to provide the sort of insights and analytics that really drive the performance metrics that, that everyone's looking at. So we're collecting data at massive scale and a critical element here, especially as we're talking about inflation, trends, price increases, is the historical data. We've now been doing this. You mentioned mm. we were one of your first yeah. podcast guests before anyone yeah. was doing podcasts, uh, right. you know, uh, eight years ago or whatever it was at this point. Um, uh, the, the fact is that that historical data is critical. You know, having a snapshot of what's happening today is is useful for some things, but of course, Having those year-on-year trends, accounting for seasonality, seeing inflation in action, understanding the pre-post-pandemic effects at this point, those are all critical to really drive the sort of um, deep understanding of marketplace dynamics. And, um, you know, the way the the web works is, you know, you could look at today's prices, but you can never load what the internet looked like yesterday. And so that historical data is something that is really unique and proprietary to what we're, we're providing beyond that localized, comprehensive granular um, item level, store level picture of of what's happening. Of course, beyond that, there's a lot of technology that goes into matching, correlating, associating, harmonizing the data, which of course, when you're collecting data from the web is notoriously difficult to normalize and, uh, and, and, and work with. And then we have insights, products, dashboards that really drive home the sorts of decisions that our consu- that our users are looking to make. If you're at a CPG or retailer, uh, and you're trying to understand these marketplace dynamics, we have the tools, dashboards, and analytics that help you really get on top of these trends. And Ben, you're also doing it across everything, right? Because you mentioned private label before. Like you're also collecting the private label data that the, the the companies are that the companies are putting on shelf for the CPG clients that you have. They're looking at their pricing too, right? Like you're getting everything, categories, private labels and the assortments, the individual items that the CPGs carry, right? Yeah, spot on. I mean, the the idea here is that we're not sort of cherry picking a couple items that you care about. We already are collecting the whole category, the whole store. And so, um, you know, there's so many important and and really uh, valuable use cases that depend not on having 
a couple of your products and a couple of your co competitors' products, but that full category picture or even that full store picture to understand, um, you know, where where are new private labels cropping up? Where are your competitors introducing new items in a test for five stores in the Northeast? Where is your, um, or if you're a retailer and you're tracking uh, your competition, we've seen this rise a lot, uh, not just tracking your local competition, but looking broader and seeing what's happening in different regions so you can anticipate what might be coming your way uh, when you're able to see what some of the big national grocers or even some of the regional powerhouses are doing in different regions, which is often predictive of the sort of activity that might be coming your way in, in a couple months. So that comprehensive picture is critical um, to understanding the dynamics and, and, and we're one of the best players that are providing that right now. Which in a buyer context, having been one for almost 20 years, like you, your two big questions are, are you right price and do you have the right products? And so what you're also saying is it helps you with your product assortment decisions as well, in addition to making sure that you're right price, which is, that's very powerful. Yes, but that's spot on. You know, I'm so focused on pricing. It's been so top of mind for everyone for years now. But the truth is that when you collect data this way comprehensively, you're seeing, of course, promotions as well. But assortment, new items, private label, these are critical elements. And, um, you know, we certainly think as the pricing pressure, um, you know, I don't want to say goes away, but certainly kind of turns down from the number one with a bullet priority at all times to, to, to a more uh, nuanced list of priorities. These other questions of assortment and promotions are going to be more important than ever. Ben, have any retailers that you work with or have you yourself at Data Assembly started to look at what that looks like outside of retailers, but like in the marketplace too, the marketplaces that are out there too? Like if I'm getting Heinz ketchup from Walmart via DoorDash, like does that come into play yet here or is that like on the horizon yet to come? Absolutely. I mean, having these sort of the, the whole ecosystem of third parties that are part of the, the connection between the consumer and the product ultimately is a critical piece of the element. We do collect a lot of that data as well and provide okay. insights on different parts of the market, things like um, yeah, some of the, the big third parties. Um, and I, I should mention too, you know, another area where I've, I know we've been very focused in this conversation is grocery. It's where, again, a lot of the inflationary pressure has been most acute and where everyone seems to be focused. But um, you know, we're certainly collecting, like I said, that full, that full store collection includes sure. a lot of general merchandise and other categories where the same sort of hyper-local volatility yeah. um, that we've all seen and grown used to as, as shoppers ourselves grown used to is now coming into play in, in many other categories as well that we collect into. Yeah, basically anything that's market available, you guys are mm -hmm. collecting the data on. Yeah. And Ben, can you take us through a little bit of like some of the current clients that you're working with and how they're applying data assembly to their day-to-day? Sure. Yeah. We work with big retailers like Target or Dollar General. And on the retail side, it's, it's um, uh, you know, that sort of competitive tracking we were talking about, really understanding what's happening um, at, at the competition and tracking okay. it, not just locally, not just, you know, at, at a single granular level. Um, and I'd be happy to show some of this live, but understanding that hyper-local granularity and comprehensively is critical for smart price promotion and assortment decisions. Yeah, so let's do it. Let's see it live. I mean, we don't usually do that on a web webinar, but like, what the hell? Let's do it. Let's see it. Load it up, Ben. Sure. Let's uh, let's dive in. We could talk too about some of the big CPGs like uh, General Mills and Hershey's and uh, Nestle Purina that are also leveraging data assembly not just for that competitive tracking, but also for, for their own yeah. um, um, products. Yeah, we love when people eat what they cook. So let's see it. I just pulled up a single product in data assembly. 
what we're looking at is a heat map that shows a variety of uh, different points across the country. Every point on this map is a different uh, Walmart location. And we're looking at a single skew, just the great value, 1%, low fat, milk, one gallon. So this is, again, the, the peak of granularity. We're talking about one item, one skew at one retailer at one point in time and looking at every single store location. 4,500 plus Walmart stores, basically. That's yeah, what you got on this map. This is the 4,500 yeah. nice. store locations uh, that, that we saw this product at is just this last week. And for the audio users, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll describe here, we are seeing a veritable rainbow of every color um, as the different points on the map, um, the color of that point is governed by the price point from just this last week. And so you could see when we talk about hyper-local granularity, of course, some regionality jumps out here and we could see some areas that have higher price points. But actually what's interesting to me when I pull up an item like yeah. this, seeing that it's it's not just that, hey, the high cost of living areas in California and New York have high price points. And in fact, here, there's a lot that flies in the face of our intuition. You could see Northern California, many of the stores right at or even below the national mean, which is in this gray color. You could see the Midwest here and, right. uh, you know, where you guys are in Minneapolis affording uh, some great milk prices. But the Southeast, you know, not the high cost of living uh, hub uh, that, that this might make you think has extremely high prices, 15 or even 25 percent above the national mean here. You can see this point at 366 in Louisiana. And of course, even some some more higher cost of livings in the Northeast um, at, at that lower price. But I think this really comes to life, Chris and Ann, when you zoom in. I talk about hyperlocal granularity. You could look even deeper here and say, now we're looking at a single metro area, a single item, a single retailer. And you could see that even in that region, there's so much price variance. You could see if you're here in the southern outskirts of Atlanta, you might be paying 216 for this product. And if you go just a little bit here west, it's 50% wow. you know, more. I mean, these are major price differences. We're not talking about pennies. I mean, in some cases we even are. And that's the level of sophistication and surgical precision that the best retailers are now bringing to bear in the market to stay ahead of the competition. So when you're, you know, 12 week rolling average of a metro area says the price of milk in Atlanta is $3, you know, I say, what the hell does that even mean, right? When every store location has its own price. And if you pull it back over time here, I'm just pulling a slider here that's changing it week over week, you could see the price points changing as well. So this is just, you know, one of the sorts of tools and visualizations that Data Assembly provides really to just highlight the data uh, and, and how granular it is. Of course, we provide you know, alerts, emails, visual, other visualizations, insights that help drive this home. But this, to me, really underscores when we talk about granular and recent and volatility, this is what we're talking about. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, okay. So since you, since we got you on the screens too, you, you also brought up the GPI earlier, the grocery price index that you guys are putting together. Can you, can you give us a look at what that is too? I yeah, want to here, make I have sure I understand what that concept's all about. Yeah, great. I have this open here as well. I'd encourage everyone to, to navigate to this. You could just search Data Assembly Grocery Price Index or go to dataassembly.com slash grocery-price-index. Um, you could see here what we have is um, you know a, a, a tracking of category by category anchored to a date in 2019 when we started building this product where every category is at 100. And you could see mm. how prices have increased over time. I mean, and you could see just the neck break, shocking inflation and price increases as they were happening. 
through um you know the beginning of 20 the end of 21 and all through wow. 22 even continued um now into 23 but when we talk about cooling you could clearly see the uh, shapes of these graphs uh turning downwards even in some of these categories and uh i hear i, I we have this one um pull down here um include eggs now the reason that's there is because when you include the egg category i'll show you guys what this looks like it's just quite shocking it just dampens out everything wow. oh my gosh eggflation is real inflation is real and wow. i think perhaps most exciting here we could change the, the the timer here just to the last three months and you could see the egg category clearly acting differently than the other categories here that we have highlighted and the last two weeks have been even quite dramatic so we'll see what's gonna we're watching that very closely now the, the i think what's what's important here to to note is that you know if you're looking at the whole cpi number you know this might get drowned out or cause a tiny yeah. blip but man if you're a retailer and eggs are one of your kbis that that you think drives price perception or drives shoppers you know it doesn't matter that the whole that, that the the whole basket's only gone up a little bit when eggs by themselves are going up 10 points um, and so understanding this and tracking it is critical and also seeing how quickly things can shave. This, this wasn't like some gradual shift that then suddenly moved up. It was, you know, suddenly in, in that week, it just skyrocketed and it's going to be um, critical to track these things. Another and, and thing give, the audio, uh, give the audio listeners an idea of how much eggs are going up in terms of what they're looking at too. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I pulled up this last three month picture and you could see um, the, the price of eggs just skyrocketing going up almost 10 points over the last two weeks. So that's, you know, 10, 10 percentage points based off of the, the anchor in 2019 going up just in two weeks from 125 um, to 136. So 11 points, you know, when all wow. the other categories are flat or down even. Um, so that's a, a dramatic increase. And again, this is, perhaps is not shocking for anyone who's going to the grocery store, but nevertheless, right. understanding the, the, the level of, um, of how this is happening and how it's happening um, I'd, I'd be remiss too if I didn't mention the granularity here as well. This is all built off that same sort of data. I same data set, right? Yeah. Assembly, which means that we're not just looking at a national picture. We could we could break this down by, um, you know, if we if we let's say pull up eggs here, um, we could we could break this down by state and by um, different category. Or let's pull up a more interesting category that has a breakdown like frozen. I saw earlier, um, you know, where there's different subcategories, and you could see how. You know, oh, wow, frozen. you get subcategories too. Wow, that's yeah, so cool. frozen. And, and 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 when you're talking about the whole frozen category, you know, if you're in frozen desserts, things leveled off. You know, it looks like way back in September of 22, it's been pretty flat since. While some of the other categories continue to rise, and certainly frozen fruits and vegetables and frozen meals have really stood yeah. out as uh, as ones that have continued to to push forward. So that you know, we're talking about yeah. you know, we could pull this up down to the item level. Of yeah. course, having some of those higher level aggregations allows you to you know not be crippled by having a, a million different products that you're that are in your assortment, but having something about that higher category index that helps wow. you break it down. Yeah, and if I'm a DMM at a retailer too, I'm thinking about like, oh man, this this changes how I even uh, determine my plans or my bonuses for the year too. Like in terms of like, hey, did you do well or did you do well because your category had more inflation in it relative to others? That's pretty. That's pretty awesome stuff, man. Oh yeah, spot on. Exactly. It's like the, capturing these things at the whole category level even really doesn't capture the nuance. And then of course, even you know, same same point here is it's also regional. Right. You have places where, again, now we're just looking at the frozen category where there's, you know, there's states where it's it, the index has changed 
you know, 20% and, and places where it's changed, uh, you know, 30%. There, there's huge variances regionally as well. This is brought up state by state um, and highlights some of the, the big movers. Um, and, you know, you can do that by different sorts of metro areas, if you're urban versus rural, and a lot of different breakdowns. I'm scrolling through quickly here, but I encourage everyone to go around. I'm telling you, you could lose hours just clicking around. Yeah. I know. This is yeah. just this is just like fun data at your fingertips. And Chris, having not been a buyer, I have to ask you, like, how different is this? Oh, for ask me? people in that position, yes, from like what oh, you were doing and, no, and I had none of how this. you were gathering this data. I mean, I had none. Of, I had none of this. None. Of, I had none of this. The best I had was market share reports provided right. by Nielsen, which um, came out we, every what? Yeah, like, uh, you know, pretty regularly. Week? But th those are just market know. share, though. They don't really have pricing in, right. in them. And then the the other thing, which Ben talked about in the beginning, he kind of talked about it real quick, is. There would be comp shop services that you'd send literal people out to look at specific items. They couldn't get the whole store. They couldn't get the whole country. And Ben is basically saying like, that's all gone now or can be gone. You can get a real life picture of everything that's happening in every store by way of the information that is on the World Wide Web, the intro web, and it, it just makes it happen. So- Thank um, you for calling out World Wide Web for us. Right, too. I know. That's I a, need that's I, a blast from the past. WWW. <laughs> but no, none of this existed. So that's why I'm geek. That's why I I love when I when we do these webinars and you can really feel me starting to geek out about this and like how I would have used it as a buyer, how I would have used it as a DMM managing buyers, how the pricing teams could potentially use it as well as an e-com executive too, how I would use it. So like there's so much cool stuff here. So but Ben, we're running long on time too. So, Anne, any more any more final questions? Ben, I have to ask, where do you take this next? Do yeah, you, that's a great. Are you going to continue to stay in grocery? You mentioned going out to some other verticals, but how are you thinking about like kind of what lies ahead for you and for Data Assembly in twenty twenty four? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, our our ultimate vision here is total transparency for every product being sold everywhere. Right? That means through any channel, any sort of product, any retailer, any category, our goal really is to capture all of this information and make it available at the fingertips of retailers and CPGs who are trying to get products in consumers' hands, drive shopper behavior. Uh, and ultimately, you know, we think transparency is the healthiest ground bed, that single source of truth that's going to allow for efficiency into the years to come. So we're always adding new categories, new retailers. We'd love to um, hear from anyone who's interested here. Grocery continues to be a big mover and, and, and certainly a lot of focus there, but we are not solely focused there as well. To that point, Ben, what if people if people want to learn more and get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, I'd love everyone to navigate to dataassembly.com, D-A-T-A-S-E-M-B-L-Y.com. Check out the Grocery Price Index. Reach out to us on that website. Reach out to me personally on LinkedIn. Uh, I know this is being broadcast on LinkedIn here, so please add me, send me a message there, or email me directly if that's easier, ben at dataassembly.com. would love to be in touch and hear from anyone who is listening here, has a perspective, has something to share here. Excited to hear from everyone. Wow. I, I, and I, I love this conversation, L-O-V-E in capitals. I mean, this is the exact content that, that I love that we do and that we can bring to our audience. So Ben Rice, CEO of Data Assembly, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Great conversation. Super enlightening. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you, Anne. Really enjoyed yeah. it. And as always, finally, to everyone that joined us live on LinkedIn, thank you to you as well, or to anyone that's listening in later. Thanks to you for tuning in. And of course, be careful out there.